And I realized that as a college student, I really don't know what to do outside of party, go to the mall or watch a movie. And on top of that, I'm broke. So how can I bridge the gap between those two things? And then Life Off You came from that. Awesome Inc. presents the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, a show that highlights how people throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky pursue their definition of awesome through entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out this newest episode of the podcast. Today I get to sit down with Destin George Bell. He's a man of many names. And he is someone who is super hungry. He's always sniffing out opportunity. And he is a student at the University of Kentucky. He's the president of their e-club. And as long as I've been in Lexington and around the entrepreneurial community, he has been there right alongside. So it's pretty exciting to see a 21-year-old who is making making moves. He's, he's shaking things up in his life and on campus. And I thought it was going to be a pretty cool opportunity for him to share his story and what he does. So my man, thanks for uh, coming out to Awesome Inc. today and sitting down. I'm excited to hear your story and just hear about what you've learned and what you're doing as a young entrepreneur. Awesome. Well, for one, thanks for having me. Love Awesome Inc. I've been coming to you guys stuff since I was a sophomore. I actually think my sophomore year in uh, October, I pitched my first company at Five Across. Didn't win. You know, it's all good. Yeah, it's no a, it's a learning experience. Which, learning experience. which company was that? It was a life off you. Okay. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Uh-huh. So just glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, sweet. Hey, so let's go ahead and get a background. Again, probably most people who are listening don't know you, and that is okay. This is why we're going to share your story. So tell me a little bit, again, about your background. So how did you end up in Kentucky? And again, this entrepreneurship board is kind of taboo. How did you end up calling yourself an entrepreneur and just getting involved in, in this community? Right. Well, starting with that first question, I've lived in Kentucky my whole life. I'm actually from Louisville, Kentucky, born and raised. I've been a Kentucky boy since time I came out the womb to now. Actually, this summer, I just had my first internship uh, in Dallas, Texas, which is the first time I've not lived in Kentucky oh, my wow. entire life. So I'm a Kentucky guy through and through uh, from Louisville. I actually came to UK 2016. I've been here for four years. I'm a senior now. And I pretty much came here because I thought, oh, this would be a new environment for me. And obviously, I'm just like stone throw away from Louisville. But to me, being in Louisville my whole life, this was a new thing for me. And I've always been involved in entrepreneurship. I never really knew it, though, because back when I was, you know, middle school and high school, I would sell candy out of my backpack. I would cut grass. I used to walk around with my lawnmower and just carry it around and knock on doors and say, hey, your grass is looking a little nasty, my guy. You need somebody to cut that. Looking a little nasty. Just looking a little nasty or shoveling snow, raking leaves, yeah. mulching, walking people's dogs, selling candy out of my backpack. I even was a really good creative writer in high school, too. So I would write people's English papers or scholarship essays. I'll tell you right now that a good 50 or 60 people that go to UK, they're in my class. They owe me their scholarship money because I was charging like $20 for scholarship essays. I got almost every minority student I know in my high school. Um, I think that might become Parker. a question of ethics. So we're not going to dive into that too, right, <laughs> too, too so, much. <laughs> so, you know, we can cut that one. That one's off the record. But um, honestly, I've just been always involved in entrepreneurial stuff. I've been really fascinated with making money for myself and trying to add some value to people in any way that I can. And that's really just been something that I've always enjoyed doing. So, Well, hey, again, so you went to Louisville Mill High School, right? Right. Did that do anything in terms of preparing you for entrepreneurship kind of what was that transition from high school to college you know 
and here and this goes back to my point that nothing really ever prepared me for entrepreneurship except for my desire to go out there and follow my face and learn it for myself Sweet. because there were no classes for it. I went to a college prep school, so it was always college this, college that. Get good grades on the ACT or get a good score on the ACT, get good grades in class, do this, do that, prepare yourself to get a job, be prepared to work a nine to five, two sixty five, hope you saved up enough money until you die. And you know, not to say there's anything wrong with that, but I've always wanted more. And I always wanted something that was exciting and allowed me to take control of what I wanted to do and find ways to be creative and solve problems. And that manifested in high school. It wasn't really a byproduct of what Mel taught me. It was more so the fact that Mel had really nasty food at the cafeteria. And I decided, hmm, if I could find a way to sell candy and, and chips and Capri Suns out of my backpack in an efficient manner people would buy it and I could probably make some money off of it. Or people don't like writing papers, but I'm really good at writing papers and they're willing to pay people to do that for them. So maybe I could find a way to bridge that gap and solve that problem. And so I guess in a way, thank you high school for having a whole bunch of gratuitous <laughs> Dear old homework high assignments. School. <laughs> Dear old high school. Thank you for having all the gratuitous homework assignments and terrible school lunch. Cause you helped me in the process. So I appreciate Well, hopefully that. that's just a, that's just subjective opinion for, for you. Cause some people probably loved it. So, uh, yeah, going back to where you currently are at UK, your senior, where are you involved with at UK that has helped you foster your desire to be an entrepreneur? Really just talking to people the same way in high school. I'm very extroverted for the people who are listening to this who do know me. And for the people who don't know me, you'll probably hopefully get to know me one day because I'm always around and I shake everybody's hands. But um, I always just wanted to meet people and talk to people and get involved in things and really with any of the organizations that I joined when I was younger, I had a job at the Boone Center. I actually still work there. That's what I call clock-in work uh, at the Boone Center, which is pretty much a private restaurant on campus. And I would meet successful people. So all the faculty would eat there, um, local entrepreneurs and whatnot. Commerce Lexington would come in there and eat. And I would always try to go out of my way to talk to anybody who was wearing a suit and looked like they had a lot of success in their career. And pick their mind a little bit. And from that, I just learned a lot about entrepreneurship and being professional in business. And then I decided to just take that on myself. And once I learned enough about it to feel like I could be at least somewhat of a thought leader, then I decided to start the entrepreneurship club. And so now I'm the president of that. And that's really been my firstborn child really love on it. campus. And I absolutely love it because it actually did exist before me, but it was pretty much non, it was not even a relevant group had like eight people we met in this raggedy building in the engineering college people didn't even know how to get there you had to go through like four doors and find it in the back of an alley it was not even really a club I only got people to come because I bought pizza nobody would come without the pizza and from there we've been able to scale it up to about 65 members oh wow that's we, awesome yeah and we secured about twelve thousand dollars of funding actually thirteen thousand now because we just got another thousand nice came here congratulations today. yeah so really that's been my way of trying to bring entrepreneurship to campus. Cause one thing that I always say, and I'm starting to get royalties from it. Cause I don't know if you know, Warren Nash with the Von Allman center, but one phrase that I said to him once, and he's been stealing it ever since, but I give him credit. Cause you know, that's my guy. He can have it for free. Nobody else can have it though. Is that UK breeds employees, but not employers. And I'm trying to find a way to switch, to shift that paradigm so that we recognize the fact that it's the employers who are building those nice buildings, who are building the student center, who are building the college of business, who are providing the life, the, the use cases of these practices to provide businesses and provide strategies that then get put into our textbooks. And then we take those strategies from employers and then teach people how to use them to be employees. It just seems kind of counterintuitive to me. So 
trying to spearhead that flip of the script. So yeah, that's that's cool that you you think that not many people probably understand that in in the sense of employees, employers. And I, again, I think that's one thing you don't know what you don't know. And so you created opportunity for yourself to be in an environment where, you know, oftentimes most people who want to grow, they will say, oh, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. So you're putting people who are wiser than you, they've experienced more life, you know, in your circle and they're helping you realize some of these things. So that's pretty sweet that you get to love it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're opening up your eyes to that. I love that. Again, so you're at UK. Talk about life off you. Again, I want to talk about your company, what you've, what you've learned. Again, you're in school, which arguably can be a full-time job if you want to be. Mm. But you got school on your plate, and then you're also trying to run this company. How have you learned from that? What's going well? What has, you know, what's been a screw-up for you that you realize, I can't do that? Maybe if I do this again, change it in this position. Yeah, so life off you spanned. Spawn, I should say, from a... It spawned, yeah, yeah, yeah like Halo. <laughs> yeah, it spawned, yeah, exactly, exactly like Halo. But it spawned from pretty much a gap, just like I talked about, just finding problems that college students have. And being a college student, it was easy because I could just ask myself, put something that you think sucks. And I realized that as a college student, I really don't know what to do outside of party, go to the mall, or watch a movie. And on top of that, I'm broke. So how can I bridge the gap between those two things? And then Life of You came from that. So Life of You is a college marketing platform that served as a third-party digital mall, per se, where organizations around Lexington could help promote whatever it is that they're looking to get college students involved and then offer those college students a discount. So we ran campaigns with SkyZone, with Breakout Games, with Malibu Jacks, with Lyft, Republic Bank, The Lyric, and a whole bunch of different organizations around here and learned a lot from that. Over the two-year span, I was doing that when I was really going hard at it. We made about $12,000 in revenue, mostly off of brokerage fees, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but since we were making on like average like $2 per transaction, it's seen it's impressive. It's a lot of transactions. It's a lot of transactions. So I was really happy with it. Um, in terms of things that I wish I could have done better, the business model that I constructed for it just wasn't sustainable, which is why it's kind of in flux right now because over the summer I had new opportunities come up and I just realized, you know, this is kind of on life support. Like I can sustain it. I can make it happen. But it comes to the point where it's, you can, but should you? And it's like that. First, it's like my firstborn child. Like if you have a firstborn child and something happens and they're on life support, it's like, ah, I don't want to let, let it go. But then you realize maybe the humane thing is to just enjoy the time that you had and then yeah. just let it go. And that's kind of where I'm at with that. But overall, great experience. I've learned a ton and it has empowered me to, meet people like you and awesome Inc and all the people here and people in the community as well and kind of get involved in entrepreneurship and doing the things I'm doing now. So I wouldn't change a thing. Sweet, man. Again, so you're, you're a young entrepreneur. That's how you classify yourself. What is a stigma that maybe you personally wrestle with as a young entrepreneur or a stigma that you are trying to actively break? I'm trying to break two stigmas right now. So the first stigma I'm trying to break amongst the older people who I deal with. So these are, you know, the 40 year olds who are, you know, very well off, very successful and whatnot. And then I'm offering a service to them and they think, what is it that you a 20 year old with a associate's degree in marketing? What can you teach me when I've been in business for this and for this long and I've done this and I've done that. And my stigma that I want to break on that side of things is that just because my age may be half of what yours is, doesn't mean that my knowledge is half. Because everybody has a different skill set. Everybody has a different knowledge. And sometimes young people may not know what you know about 
maybe this topic, but we might know a lot more about this thing. Like digital marketing, a lot of 40 year olds who had marketing degrees in the 90s probably don't know a lot about conversion and user acquisition through social media ads on Instagram, right? So I'm trying to break that stigma and I think it's starting to be broken on its own because now the, the older generation of business people are recognizing that, hey, these young people, yeah, they're glued to their phones, but they're learning how these things work. And this is revolutionizing the way that marketers work. This is yeah, revolutionizing and, the way that yeah, our, that our works. business works. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. that's cool. That's cool. You're getting to see that. Yeah, because I know that is even something that I know we've dealt with, and people kind of being slower in terms of, hey, here's an opportunity. We're it's not our focus. So we're not going to give too much attention to it. And sometimes it takes a couple, couple of strong nudges. <laughs> Very strong. Yeah, Some would even say pushes. Yeah, shoves. that's that's true. That's cool. Uh, so again, what, what are you doing on campus that? has helped you grow in terms of how you network with students. Again, you've mentioned an e-club, you're buying pizza. What are other ways you are trying to change your involvement on campus to help, I'd say, sharpen your your skill set? So in terms of, and just so I can understand that, what am I doing on campus to well-round myself or help others? Yeah, that might not be on absolutely. Yeah. So, so help helping myself and helping others. Well, I feel like to me, just like they say in class, the best way to teach yourself is to teach others because to teach others, that means you have to have a strong enough grasp of the topic to be able to talk about it. So for me, helping other people and trying to give back what I like to call good karma equity has been one of my most valuable ways to teach myself. Like the entrepreneurship club has opened me up to new opportunities to meet people that I have not. Because before when I would, you know, email somebody and say, Hey, I'm the founder and CEO of Life of You and I would love to talk to you. They think, ah, sales call. Red, no response. Yeah. But now I say I'm the president of the entrepreneurship club and I'm really adamant about entrepreneurship and I would love for you to come and meet some of our budding student entrepreneurs. Now they say, okay, I get to go somewhere and, and gloat about myself a little bit. Well, I give this guy a response, you know. So it's helped me a lot to make those connections and and give myself a little bit of thought leadership in terms of entrepreneurship for student entrepreneurs. And it's also given me a chance, and this is something I've really found I have a passion for, for business development. Because I guess I've turned into a pro bono consultant and that anybody on UK who wants to, who has an idea about something entrepreneurial, somehow or another, they always talk to me and say, George, 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 oh my gosh, I have this idea. I want to start this, this thing. It's better than eBay, but it's, so, it's totally different. I want to do this and with this, or I want to create this app that does blank, 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 or blank, or I want to build this, or I want to promote this book that I just wrote, or this and that. And then somehow they always say, George, I want you to help me with marketing and developing it. How should it look? This, this, and this. And I either help them or I connect them to somebody that does. And I, I honestly, I love that. I love the fact that I can help other people um, reach their dreams and whatnot. Like even the other day, I had a guy, and he was doing something on a level that I've never done, but he's starting this crazy, crazy platform that's pretty much going to help people with trading cryptocurrency super awesome. I don't want to put all the secret sauce out there. I'll let him do that in the future when he's you know, a billionaire or whatnot. But he reached out to me and he just went to the, um, the SEC pitch competition in Auburn and he was pitching to VC people. That's something I've never even done. And he was calling me saying, oh my gosh, so I'm, I'm so nervous about this. Should I, like, how should I structure my pitch deck? Is this a story? Like, is this a cohesive story that I'm telling? Do you think I should move this here and there? And it's like people who are doing things on a level that I don't even know how to do are asking me for my advice. And honestly, I love that. It's surreal to me. Sweet. Man, you're learning a lot. You're in a really moldable position. That's, that's really cool. I want to keep talking about what you're doing on campus and, and how you're growing personally. I think that's it's an important area to realize. So you talked about on, uh, when you were focusing on life off you, you had, you know, I didn't do the math yet, but if you're making $2 per transaction, 
in your dealing with all these, all these companies, how you got to a position where you were confident to go out and ask, but also students know you for being, you know, the entrepreneur guy or, you know, something along those lines. Talk about that right there. Like what are some of the tips that you learned for how to grow yourself, how to do, learn how to approach an adult who has a successful business and you are trying to earn their business, you know, then how do you take that and how'd you learn how to market to your fellow classmates and give them something that you thought was valuable? Well, for me, I would say the best way to do anything in my mind is always set yourself up as a leader in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Like for me, my company was based around marketing. So I was focused on establishing myself as somebody who is a certified marketer. Like I want people to know that I have these skills. So I would always post books on my Instagram store, like simple stuff that, you know, seems like it goes in one, you know, you look at it, you flick through, you don't see it again, but posting like, oh yeah, I'm at this convention talking to this person, or I'm at this person, or I read this book about this and writing a quick LinkedIn post about it and whatnot. And though nobody says it in the moment, they're subconsciously building this identity of you as this entrepreneur, this marketer, this, this well-read person, this well-connected person. And now the students, when it comes time for them to dig in their brain and think, oh, I have this thing that I want to market. Who is the person I want to do that? Or I want to find a way to save money on going to breakout games. Where can I do that? Oh, yeah, life off you. They they do this. They've done that. We had um a um a day early pre-screening of uh, Avengers Endgame. We partnered with the Cinemark, the Fayette Mall Cinemark. Nice. And we uh, gave they gave us a theater of 150 seats for a day early screening of Avengers Endgame. It was the earliest screening in the entire city. Dude, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, and we packed it out. And just from that, it's like there's a whole bunch of brand equity that came from that and just saying, oh, man, it connotated this with fun. And that's what I was going for. So trying to find leadership in what it is on branding. And for the students, it was fun. It was good times. It was saving money. And it was my knowledge of what I was doing. And then for the businesses, it was setting myself apart as professional and knowing what I'm talking about. Because in the, the day, who's going to give me the time of day? I'm 21 years old. I was night. Actually, I was 18 when I started it. So I'm 18 years old and I was on my first sales call and I had a, a PowerPoint. I remember the first sales call I ever went on for this. I went to MB2 race when it was like right when they first opened. And I was so fresh out the gate that when I went there and I pre presented my idea, I didn't even have a name for it yet. I just had a presentation. It was just like a white background. It just said college marketing platform. Didn't even have a name for it yet. But I just went there and I sounded confident. And eventually they worked with me long enough for me to at least get the name and all that. I actually didn't even close that deal. But the fact that they kept meeting with me and they kept discussing with me and we actually talked about prices and what we would want and this and that. And then just building from that and just, and, I, and this is another thing going back to what I said earlier with the students is that all it really takes is getting your foot in that one door. And especially in a place like Lexington, where pretty much if you're an entrepreneur in Lexington and you're doing good work and you're really getting yourself out there, people know you. And if you have good work, with one person, word gets around, which is why it's so important to make sure that you're retaining those good client relationships because when it comes time for them to say, oh, I need a marketing person, they say, oh, well, hey, life off you or George or this or whatever, he's great. That's actually how I got my the job with uh, Synergy, actually, because um, Chase Minifield reached out to me and we had talked a super long time ago, but he was looking for somebody to run this company and he said, well, who's a good person? And he was thinking like, I know this guy. And he talked to his, the rest of his board and said, do you guys know this guy? I said, oh yeah, I heard he's doing some really good work with Life Off You or he's doing this on campus and that. And then he just called me and said, hey, I think you'd be a good fit for this. And now got a new job. Nice. That's awesome. Congratulations. How long have yeah. you been uh, working with Synergy for? 
Only a month in a week. Only now, a man. month in <laughs> a week. week, man. That's great. I'm fresh. I'm real fresh. Fresh Prince of Lexington. Uh, that doesn't flow. We're going to cut that. We're going to cut that. Uh, I'm just kidding. Well, hey, uh, yeah, everything you're saying is great. You're learning a ton. It's been cool to know that, again, success for you has looked like packing out a mall movie theater screening that's, you know, for a huge nationwide premiere with college students. And, you know, you're going to some of the hot, the hot places in town that you, you get to jump on trampolines or you get to go and figure out a maze and you're providing fun for people who might not have been able to otherwise uh, without your platform. So what does success look like for you currently? So I would say success for me looks like having a plan and executing on that plan. And that's why for me, when I talk to people, I'm all about, even though I'm all about entrepreneurship, sometimes people don't want to start that billion dollar tech company. Sometimes they just want to have um, some kind of a yard work company or they want to do um, some kind of consulting on a small scale for a specific niche group. And that's okay because to me, success is only in what you plan to do and if you execute it on what that thing is. So for success for me looks like, at least for life off you, success for me was saying, okay, if I'm working with this company, this is the projections for what I think I'm going to hit in terms of how many people I'm going to get them to go to the door and then hitting that number. So for the premiere, I had 150 seats. I made the decision that I'm going to do this in February. And then there was planning from there. So, okay, now I'm going to have some feeler surveys out there. So I used some of my strategic partnerships to distribute out a survey. I surveyed about 500 students. They said, yeah, we would totally love to go to this. I figured out just projective questioning on how much would you think somebody would be willing to pay for some kind of a private screening like this. And from there, I found out a price point. And then from there, I decided what would be the best theater to do this thing at and what date would be best. Could I charge more if I had the day early screening or would it still be better if I just did the same day as it opens and whatnot? And then from all that, I decided, OK, the day before Fayette Mall, 150 seats, charging twelve fifty for or $15 for tickets. That's our number. That's what we're going for. And we released the tickets and we sold out within two weeks of selling the tickets. Man, that's great. And then with Sky Zone, I said, all right, you know, with them, I want to have 30 people come. I want to have student organizations come by. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. I want that to happen. And then there was one month we had about like, you know, 50 people come. Just hit my 30 person projection for that first month. And then for Noodles and Company, we had a program with them with buy one get one 50 percent off i was saying oh well, that one's a little bit out of the way it's on nicholsville so we might not have as many people come we hit double the figure that i thought we were going to go for that one and it just goes on so on and so forth and it just fluctuates depending on what that goal was and that's the, one of the hard things about life off you actually was that i pretty much was a marketing consultant for like 15 different companies at the same time and they were all so different i even did something with awesome inc for helping them um for helping you guys promote your web development boot camp which was a bust because that was hard to get students to want to pay that because a lot of them don't even want to pay for their class if they missed out because you guys did great stuff that's why <laughs> i wanted to work with you but even still you know and it just comes with the success that obviously there's going to be pitfalls you know it can't always be uphill every now and then not get though hey let's uh down. yeah let's let's go talk about pitfalls i mean that's yeah that's a value valuable part of your experience in the last couple of years is learning from your mistakes and also learning from other people's mistakes so again, what has been maybe your single biggest failure or something that kind of punched you in the face in terms of a business and learning experience? I would say the biggest failure that I've had so far. Oh, man, it's been a lot. Let's see. Um, I think the biggest failure I would have was losing my first client. So my first client 
officially was Malibu Jacks. They were the very first people to work with me. They signed the contract first. They were the first people to actually cut me a check. And that was a very momentous occasion for me because it went from an idea to something I actually got paid for. And they were the first people to believe in me enough to actually cut me a check. So about a year-ish after, maybe a little less than a year, they decided, yeah, we don't want to do this anymore because they repositioned their brand and they moved locations from Blake James Drive over to Nicholsville where the old Kmart was, I believe it was. And then they decided that with the new space, they were looking to go in a new direction and they didn't want to use us anymore, which I'm a little bit salty about because that new logo, you know, who was the one that gave them the advice to change it? Oh, I don't want to point any name. I don't want to say any names or anything like that. But, but regardless of that, when they called me and said we were deciding to move a different direction, that was a real gut punch to me because it made me feel like the work that I had done wasn't sufficient with what they expected, and that was a tough one for me because that was the first client I had lost before, and they weren't the only one. They and they probably won't be the last one ever, but for me. That was that first one, and the first one always stings the worst, just because you don't. Just because, yeah, you don't know how to deal with it. it That's true. So what's uh what's the current state of life off you? You're you're wrapping up your time at school. What's next? So for that, honestly, I'm glad it's a really good question. I honestly don't even know what I'm gonna do with it now. We we um discontinued it for the summer for moving in a different direction, but then, like I mentioned before, I just started became the CEO for this new tech startup with um Chase and trying to figure out where Life Off You fits in that equation. Like Life Off You was always that stepping stone business for me. It was the one that I was going to use as a fertile ground for breeding new ideas and learning new things and then pivot me into the next thing. And now I'm at the next thing and I'm looking at it now and it's just right there and it's so beautiful. It's like that that busted down car that you got when you were in high school and you finally got your first real job after college and you got that first paycheck and now you're looking at that nice BMW or the brand new Toyota or maybe even something nicer than a Benz, something like that. And you're looking at that busted 2004 Kia that you drove in high school Do you drove college. 2004 Kia? 2007 Kia. Nice, okay. <laughs> yeah, smart guy. I figure there's some, some ties to right. this. See, there's ties to that. But you're looking at it and you just think, oh, man, I have so many memories with this thing, but I've gone as far as I can take it. And even though you know logically, it's like, oh, I mean, compared to what I'm doing now, it's not even a question what I should do. But then your heart gets attached to it. And life of you is honestly my first Yeah, it's, child. it's your baby. Hey, it's my I baby. I totally get that. I nursed it. It was sitting inside of me. It was in the womb, sitting inside of me, just me in the college in my college dorm. I remember the exact day I came up with the idea. It was April 17th, 2017. I was with my girlfriend. We were asking what we should do, and she never wants to pick anything, but she hates when I pick stuff. And then I realized I only had two things I could even pick. And the idea was born there, and the whole summer I was doing market research. I surveyed, personally surveyed, a thousand different students. Like I had a survey on my phone. I yeah. had my phone to a thousand different people to get the information for that. And I made like 20 cold calls to like 10 different people. And I remember all those good times to where I'm at now and just thinking, wow, came a long way from there and I still have an even longer way to go, but uh, it just hurts to let it go. Actually, so, hey, you'll, you'll, you'll figure this out. Again, you're moving in another direction, so might be time to pass on the baton, so, so to speak. Yeah, brother, it's cool to hear all, all of your experiences and I know that you got a bright future ahead. So thank you for sharing that. And again, this is probably, in my opinion, the most important aspect of why you're here today. If you could speak some wisdom or how to avoid some mistakes to any future entrepreneurs, what would be your one or two main takeaways? 
I would say the one, and this is the most important one, and I say this to anybody, is just try it. In my opinion, people want to wait until they're ready. Like, I want to wait till I'm more financially stable, or I want to wait until I get out of college, or I want to wait until this and that. Like, to me, you're never going to be ready. And no matter how much you plan, the plan will never go the way it is. Just like Mike Tyson, this is my favorite line I tell to anybody who says, well, I'm not really ready, or I'm not, I want to wait. And it's like, hey, look, you can plan all you want, but the plan goes out of the goes completely in the trash once you get punched in the face, right? And you're going to get punched in the face pretty much from the get-go. So while I'm not saying don't plan at all, plan a little bit, but be ready for the plan to go a hard left when you thought it was going to go a soft right. So just go for it and learn on the way, have fun, give it a shot, and really just be prepared to try it because the worst thing that happens is that it doesn't work, but you learned and even if, especially, and this goes to all my student entrepreneurs, and this is what I tell all my, my e-clubbers, is that the only thing that's going to happen from you trying this thing is that it doesn't work. But even if it doesn't work, you're going to learn more from failing at whatever you were trying to do than you would from reading that textbook and theoretically learning something on a piece of paper. And then when you apply for jobs, if you decide the entrepreneur route is not for me, you're going to be way more well-rounded of a, of a candidate for a job because with entrepreneurship, like as a marketing major, the only thing I'm learning in my classes is how to position something, how to sell something, which is important. But then with this, I had to handle performance. I had to understand what a cash flow statement is. I had to think about P&L. I had to think about, geez, if I position this, what's like an A-B test? I have to think about um, like a cadence for a sales cycle. I have to think about all these different things. I have to think about brand positioning and envisioning out to where I'm going to be two to five years from now. So these are things that you don't learn in class. You only learn them from going out there and, you know, trying something. And getting your hands dirty. And getting your hands dirty. And that's why a lot of people in their first job, their first job is usually just an entry-level job where they have to learn how to actually do things. Even when you get a job, they retrain you and they teach you how to do everything because they know the college doesn't really teach you anything that's tangible. It's all theoretical knowledge. So if you can go and be in college and get that theoretical knowledge and learn some real hard skills that you can put on your resume, and if you do and if you do a good job, now you have legitimate references. Like there are people I can call that are CEO of this or an investor in that or a client directly to me, and I can say, hey, if I'm applying for a job, can you give me a recommendation letter? And they can say, hey, he's a self-starter, he's hard, he's a hard worker, he's tenacious, he's proactive. And these are all the, the buzzwords that all the companies want to see on your resume. And then when you can, everybody throws them on there, but if you can actually get somebody with some real life skills, yeah, not to like, validate what they're saying, right? Not like the professor for your um your econ one hundred one class, or your mom, or that guy who was your manager at Kmart, but a guy who runs an actual company who's done actual successful things, whose name means something more than just the position that he holds, and he can say, "I vouch for Destin. I vouch for Garrett." That goes a long way. So sure does. Go for it, Destin, my man. I love it. Proud of you, bro. Keep doing, keep doing awesome work. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Man. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's it. We want to say thank you again so much for checking out the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. Special thanks to Lee Rosevere for the music that you hear in the show and to Lexington's Awesome Inc. for hosting us from their space. Again, I'm Garrett Farbach. Make sure to check back and tune in next time. We'll see you then.